Welcome to The Real Housewives of Riverdale, the podcast where grown-ass adults take sexy teen murder mysteries just as seriously as you do. I'm your host, Cherie, and today I am joining you to discuss Season 2, Episode 4, Chapter 17, The Town That Dreaded Sundown. And I'm sure, as you can tell, I have a wonderful summer cold because, you know, hashtag mom life. Um, My kid comes home with all the germs. Um, she didn't get sick because of course not, which honestly, thank God, knock on all the wood. But, um, I think my voice is okay enough to last through this whole podcast episode. I hope so. I drank a bunch of tea before I started recording, so I'm hoping it will make it. If not, sorry about you. I don't know. (laughs) Um, there's some other wonderful podcasts out there that you could listen to, so <laughs> I'm sure they can take care of it. Um, okay, so the town that Sundown is in reference to a 1976 movie and subsequently a 2014 remake or um, sequel. I, I'm not really sure. Again, not one with the horror movies, not my jam. Um, but anyway, The IMDb description reads, In 1946, a Texas ranger hunts for a hooded serial killer terrorizing the residents of a small Texas town. In in a shocking turn of events, the plot actually references the source um, that the title of the episode actually relates to the plot. You know, like, that's that's kind of rare (laughs) with a lot of these episodes. And Jughead actually mentions it in his, like, introduction, or as Crimea Riverdale calls it, his jug dub. Um, thank you to those guys for that wonderful vocabulary word. He says, everyone's afraid to say it, so let me be the first. There is a serial killer amongst us. Okay, actually, there is not. A serial killer is described as somebody who has killed three or more times with some space in between and is all like, really, he's only killed Miss Grundy at this point, right? So, not a serial killer, but we do have a crazed gunman. Yes. And I will refer to the Black Hood as a serial killer 84 times throughout this episode and all the ones to come. So forgive me, but really, truly, he's not a serial killer. Um, the rest of the jug dub goes on to say that, uh, San Francisco had the Zodiac, New Orleans had the Axeman, Texarkana, Texas had the Phantom Killer, and we get, like, glimpses of, like, what these killers look like, and the Phantom Killer is actually the one that the movies, the town that Dreaded Sundown is about, so, or are about. That's wonderful grammar. Um, but it's an incredibly gruesome story. The true story is, it's, and, and I'm sure the movies are too, but it it is really bad. Um, if you ever want to check it out, I did like a half-ass cursory check to see if Last Podcast on the Left or My Favorite Murder has covered it, and I didn't find anything um, in like the first 10 seconds that I looked. <laughs> so maybe they've covered it, and maybe they haven't, but if they have, I absolutely recommend listening to both of those podcasts. They are very different from each other, but two podcasts that have a very special place in my heart. I love, obviously I'm a murderino. I've loved my favorite murder for years. Um, since almost since its inception, but, um, 
last podcast on the left has definitely grown on me and I really like those guys. Um, check out their Jim Jones series. It's wonderful. Okay. Um, so we'll move into the open of the episode. Excuse me. Sorry guys. So it turns out Archie's little BDSM threat video on YouTube has got the entire town of Riverdale's panties in like a huge wad. Hermione doesn't want Veronica to see Archie anymore. And like Veronica's like, uh, no, sorry about you. But unbeknownst to Hermione, Hiram was the one who put Archie up to doing the video. Fred demands that Archie take the original post down. And of course, Archie already has, or he says he has. But the video has been shared and reshared and shared again because remember, kids, the internet is forever. Once it's out there, it's out there forever. Um, the clip has even spread to Southside High, duh, as if like they don't have the internet, <laughs> as if they're like me and just like stuck without um, any way to reach the outside world. Um, so Jughead comes into the cafeteria upon Sweet Pea, suggesting that Fogarty, a rookie serpent, bring us the head of that North Sider in the video as his initiation. Cool, cool. So this is the more chill gang at Southside High. Like, <laughs> the ghoulies are the bad ones, but, oh, poor Juggy. He's just stuck there like, but that's my best friend. But he can't say that to these guys because, you know, he's trying to, like, not get his ass beat again. Oh. And look, this video is bonkers and I choose to not stand, I choose to stand with neither Archie nor Sweet Pea because I certainly don't agree that the Black Hood is like the Southside savior because the people he's targeted thus far are all Northsiders. Like how is he supposed to take out Southsiders when we literally were just introduced to them last week? Like, mm, no, sorry. We didn't even know that there was like another high school for there to be a big south side part of town until the last episode. Of course he's not taking out Southsiders. All the people we've met thus far are Northsiders. So it only makes sense for TV. It's almost like Sweepy has never watched TV before. And to Archie, I feel like this should go without saying, but goading a crazed gunman on YouTube might be the the dumbest shit you've ever done. I mean, you've pulled some some dumb things, but this one really takes the cake. In this episode, if you're like an Archie apologist, you might as well stop now. Because like, and look, I hate to be the person that like shits all over the episode. I think it's like good writing and good TV. Um, but I get so mad at Archie this whole episode. Like it just makes me madder and madder as the episode goes on. Um, so if you're like, and again, I like, I feel this should go without saying like nothing against KJ. He's just, he's beautifully performing what is set before him in the script, but like, oh, oh, it makes me mad. Um, the things he does, like someone needs to conk Archie and Sweet Pea's heads together like coconuts. That's what I feel like they need to because they're both being ignorant assholes. Okay, so, hey, remember last week when Principal Weatherby, whom still haunts my dreams, by the way, was super cool with the red circle and, like, even stood up for Archie with the sheriff? Oh, it's it's a school club. Well, apparently, after viewing the shirtless militia video, he will not stand for the red circle malarkey in his school. And, unless Archie writes a letter of apology to the Riverdale High community 
and disbands the Red Circle by the end of the week, he'll be suspended. Oh, and thanks to Archie, football is now canceled. Which, like, is it even football season anymore? Who can even tell? But, uh, yeah. Archie's done fucked up, basically, in Weatherby's eyes. So moving on to the school newspaper office, Betty discovers another creepy manila envelope, much like the one her mother received last week among the Blue and Gold's mail. But this one's addressed to Betty. And before we get to that, though, we have to talk about Kevin's monologue in this scene. So we'll get to the Black Hood stuff. But first, we have to talk about Kevin. So he walks into the to the Blue and Gold office, ready to patch things up with Betty. And this is kind of like a rough quote. I didn't get a word for word. But he's like, Betty, telling my dad about cruising was not cool, okay? He even told my mom. Also, I've started my... Re- <laughs> I can't even get through it. I've restarted my subscription to redstatemeat.com. Oh my God. Oh, it was great. I know like the first, I don't know, six times I watched this just because I liked the show and I hadn't started the podcast yet. I was like, what is he even saying? It's so last night when I was taking notes, I turned the captions on and it's redstatemeat.com. Oh my God. God, that's wonderful. I love it so much. (laughs) But all of this like washes right over Betty. Like she does not care anymore about Kevin's safety or his uh, red state meat (laughs) membership because inside that envelope was a letter from the Black Hood in which he tells Betty he's doing all of this for her. Shit. Zzz, Riverdale. Love that title card. All right, so after commercial, we learned that the Black Hood was inspired to kill by her Jubilee speech in the um, season one finale. So that means that the Black Hood, whoever he may be, must have been in attendance at Riverdale's anniversary celebration. How very Golden State killer of him. (laughs) Nice, nice pull. I believe maybe some of the Riverdale writers might be murderinos. Um, Part of the letter reads, The town sinners must show their contrition. If not, there will be more suffering and bloodshed. And then he also includes a cipher for her to solve, which will reveal where his next killing will take place, which is very Zodiac killer of him. I mean, like, we all get... We all gather inspiration from our predecessors, but like find some originality in your serial in your serial killing bro. Like, come on. Um, Betty brings the coded message without the accompanying letter to her mother, who in turn brings it to Sheriff Keller after publishing it first, of course. Alice gonna do Alice Gal. And they're like, why wasn't there a note with this one? And like Betty's reason for not turning the note into is really dumb and uh, I like I get that it had to drive the plot but for fuck's sake Betty I just uh, fine so because it gets she gives it to him eventually anyway so like uh, anyway okay moving on to Archie (laughs) everybody makes me mad this episode I think everybody except for Kevin really pisses me off this episode and Veronica Veronica is definitely not on my shit list for this one. So in the locker room, Archie tries to rally the Red Circle guys, which is 
just the football team plus Dilton. <laughs> but he tries to rally them into taking the fight to the south side where he assumes the Black Hood hails from by using the same dumb shit logic that Alice in Sweet Pea gave us earlier. And this is obviously a terrible plan. And it's like universally acknowledged by Archie's teammates who formerly were super willing to go along with whatever he said, but now they're like, nah, brah, they canceled football. I am Audi 5000. Not happening. Um, Veronica, having accepted that her like noted master manipulator con man dad may have manipulated her very impressionable and sweet, sweet gullible boyfriend decides to be supportive of Archie. After first being like, what the fuck is your problem? She's like, oh, my dad told you to do it. Okay. Well, I'll be, I'll be on your side then because you're just so sweet and gullible and naive. She doesn't just wear a custom made red circle shirt to school, but she's recruited Cheryl and all of her friends to hand them out to the entire student body. And she tells Archie that the red circle is no longer a fringe band of radicals. It's a movement with style and panache. (laughs) My God. Oh, the red circle storyline is such a garbage fire. Like I see what they're trying to do and God damn it. I love this show and I wouldn't be talking about it if I didn't love it so much. So I promise this is not hate speech, but the first like seven episodes of this season are just such a hot mess. I mean, one and two are pretty good. So I guess I should say like three through seven or eight. Oh man, it is rough stuff in this. Oh, I, like the crimey Riverdale guys, Mikey and John, <laughs> it totally lost. I mean, um, but they call it gay ISIS and you know what? They're not wrong. <laughs> that is exactly what the red circle is in its like, what the fuck? Oh, okay. So back at Southside high Jughead and fellow true crime junkie, Tony Topaz are bonding over the black hood and Juggy like even ignores Betty call Betty's calls to work on the cipher with his new friend and um no sir. <laughs> Fucking think so. For one thing, Betty, why are you calling him? Like who even calls on the phone anymore? And Jughead, if she's calling you instead of texting you, she probably has some like important shit to say. She is a 16-year-old girl. Why in the hell does she <laughs> would she be calling you instead of texting you? You need to answer your phone, homie. <laughs> Betty's like spidey senses subconsciously tell her that something is up, obviously, because she invites Tony, Kevin, and herself to Jughead's trailer for like a code breaking party. Um, after Jughead admits to her that Tony and him have already started on it, and she's like, Yeah, no, we're nipping this in the bud. Um, so there, Betty is sure that she's seen the cipher symbols before but she just can't put her finger on it. She says it's literally on the top of her head. And I'm like, is it though? And that's when we get to be one of the most iconic scenes of season two. And yes, I just talked massive shit about how this episode sucks in comparison to the rest of the season. But this scene is like key to season two, especially like first half of season two. So 
Tony accuses Betty of Northside privilege for assuming that the Black Hood is a Southsider because of his targets. And, like, you're not wrong, but, girl, your own gang members, like, fellow gang member Sweet Pea came up with the same shit. So, chill. And this is this is the part that's iconic. So, she gets this... Um, we get the following exchange. Tony says, maybe if you loosened your ponytail and both Kevin and Jughead look at her like, the fuck did you just say? What? And so Kevin being the voice of the fandom, obviously says Betty's ponytail is iconic and beyond reproach. (sighs) I love it. Betty is like, you know what? Maybe she's right. So she actually takes out her damn ponytail, which was very mature of Betty. When, if I were Betty, even like at my age, and I'm actually double (laughs) Betty's age right now. Jesus Christ. I am 32. I am actually twice her age. Um, I would have told Tony to fuck off and suck my ponytail. So, I mean, good, good on you, Betty, for being the bigger person. So... Tony then doubles down and mentions that Jughead has been lying to Betty about sitting with the serpents at lunch. She gets real tense. So Kevin's like, okay, I'm leaving now. And Tony's like, you know what? Peace out too. I just dropped this huge bomb in what might be the world's favorite ship right now. And I'm just gonna um, be like deuces later. Kevin says he can walk her home and she just looks at him with the face that honestly is the same face I give to like every man (laughs) all the time. But (laughs) the face that's like, I will fucking kill you. And he's like, Oh, or maybe you can walk me home. It, It was super adorable. I love it. Also Betty's ponytail crease. Whoof. I mean, like, I'm glad they didn't try to make it like not a thing. Like, you know, film her, taking the ponytail out and then cut and clearly she's been to hair and makeup and her hair is all smooth and perfect and doesn't have that crease that we all know um that girls in man bun wears know all too well because I I can relate with that (laughs) with how crazy your hair looks after you take your ponytail out now we'll move on to the part of this episode that is responsible for no less than five new gray hairs for me Our boy Archie goes to the army surplus on Dilton's suggestion to buy a Kevlar vest, holster, and ammo for his gun with a fake ID. And I guess you do need an ID for, um, for ammo. But when I first watched this, I was like, okay, like this is, this is an actual trope in this country that you can buy a gun with little to no ID and he has to come in with a fake ID to buy a vest. I don't know, but I guess maybe you do need it for ammo. Fuck, I don't know. Guns are not my jam, so I'm not sure. But this fake ID, let's let's talk about this. So it's a town driver's license. It just says Riverdale. And like, I get that the state is supposed to be a mystery because it's like all states in unison. It's every town America. It's like the whole Simpsons thing where it's like, which Springfield is it? Is it this one, this one, this one? But they eventually came out and said it. But I feel like we've made it abundantly clear at this point that Riverdale is like upstate New York. So why doesn't he just have a New York driver's license? Even, even if it is fake. But anyway, 
also the name on the ID. The name on the ID is Wilbur Wilkins, which we'll revisit later on in segments. But the birthday on the ID is June 16th, 1995, which was three days after my ninth birthday. And just like realizing that I'm twice their age, the idea that someone's fake ID is almost a full decade younger than me makes me feel ancient AF. Like, that is nuts to me. Um, but that's not what gave me gray hairs. The fact that this fool goes on to, like, tag the entire South Side, or as Vancouver actor Jordan Connor, who plays Sweet Pea, says, tag... His Canadian really came out then. He tags the entire South Side with spray painted red circles, knowing full fucking well that the serpents would retaliate. When Sweet Pea, who, by the way, has a solid six inches on Archie, he pulls out his switchblade because, of course, he has a switchblade. And then Archie pulls his fucking gun out. Oh my god. Archibald Andrews. No, sir bad puppy go to the corner uh, and he holds it like assassin style like what the fuck no this is not Archie Andrews like all American boy like big man on campus the kid everybody loves no and I know he's going through like some severe trauma and he's reeling with PTSD and this is like he doesn't know how to act out and everything, but it just, oh my God, no, sir. Like he's doing all this to try to draw out the black hood, but like Swoopy's not the black hood. And yes, he like pulled out his, his switchblade and I would be really upset if he hurt Archie and everything, but to hold up a fucking gun, you are crazy. You have like launched straight into crazy town. So the next morning at school, on a tip from a Southside bodega owner, the principal and Sheriff Keller pull Archie out of class the next day and search his locker because they've heard he has a gun. They find no gun, but they do find an awfully suspicious black hood. It's Reggie's from when he was a complete dick in episode two, I think, but of this season. But Archie claims that it's his own. Nevertheless, he's suspended and like... Honestly, he fucking needed it. This kid needs a break and, like, tons of therapy. Um, so not long after Hermione gets all kinds of meta and warns Veronica of the dangers of being blindly loyal to her boyfriend, Archie sends Veronica to the school in the middle of the night to retrieve his gun, which was not in his locker because it's wrapped in plastic and hidden in a toilet tank. Archie, you might be suspended from school, but that shouldn't stop you from handling your own dangerous bullshit and sneaking into the school yourself. Like, I love you, Archie, and I understand, like I just said, that you're simply reacting to, like, the immense amounts of trauma bestowed upon you, but that is a total shit thing to do to Veronica. Like, how fucking dare you that it's so not okay and understandably upset veronica insists that he tell her his true plans so he obliges i guess and he he says that he wants the black hood dead and he wants to be the one to kill him and oh my 
God, I am not ready for my daughter to be a teenager if this is modern day teen life. Like, obviously, this is a farce and very extreme. I mean, fuck, it's extreme just for regular TV's sake. But, uh, <laughs> it's killing me. The football team arrives at the Andrews house unannounced. Um, and I guess it's a good thing Fred's at the town hall because uh, shit goes down a lot more than just, you know, Archie and Veronica doing boyfriend-girlfriend things um, and bitching about his gun. So <laughs> Reggie and a bunch of other football players arrive with tons of pizzas. I want to know where they got that pizza. Do they have to go to Greendale? Do they have to go to Seaside or Centerville? Because I don't think Pops has pizza. Um, Reggie is grateful that Archie is in the book of Reg. Oh my God, what a douche. Archie is a top tier loyal badass that didn't rat him out. And if he wants the Red Circle to keep going, they're in now, which is mighty good timing because four Southside serpents suddenly appear on Archie's doorstep right then. And the serpents and the bulldogs like line up. So later on, well, okay, I'm getting ahead of myself. So Sweet Pea and some other serpents show up and they're pissed off that Archie pulled a gun on them the night before. So they want to rumble. And Archie's like, well, are you going to bring your knife? And Sweet Pea's like, well, are you going to bring your gun? And Veronica's like, no weapons, okay? We're going to do this. I'm going to be the referee now. I'm going to tell you boys how to fight and how to fight fair. And if you're not going to let me, then I'm going to call Sheriff Keller and maybe he can play referee. So (laughs) later on, we're at the Rumble because this is like just... As many people have noted, this is straight up West Side Story now. Like, we're not even pretending anymore. We're just doing West Side Story without the wonderful snaps. Um, The serpents and the bulldogs line up in the rain. And so they start, like, they're fighting. I think Archie throws the first punch. Um, They're going at it. Veronica comes in in a fucking fab hooded cape. I'm sure it's the one from the pilot, but like it looked amazing in this episode. So she comes in and she fires the toilet gun in the air to get the boys to stop. And you're like, where did she get that gun? Because earlier she said that she threw it in the river. Oh no, she held onto it. And thank goodness because Dilton Doily just got stabbed in the lake and God knows what would have happened if she wasn't able to stop them. Later that night, she and Archie really do throw the gun into the river, only after almost full-on having sex on screen. Like, that was a very intense makeout scene. They were were pretty much, like, dry humping. Um, That had to be so awkward for the actors and everyone on set, because it is hot. Um, But Veronica stops them and says, no, we have one more thing to do. So they throw the gun into, um, into the river. Thank goodness. Can you even imagine like the tonnage of nefarious evidence littering Sweetwater River's river bottom? Like, oh my God, Sheriff Keller really should have like an officer stationed on that bridge at all times. But you know, this, like every other show, cops are not the best. Okay. So now we'll move on to the Buckhead part of the episode. Um, 
there's somebody driving by who doesn't know I do this. <laughs> okay, so backing up to earlier that morning in the Jones trailer, our bughead anxieties are quelled momentarily, but even if it's just for a moment, it's it's worth it because we see that Betty and Jughead are spooning on the couch, clearly having accidentally fallen asleep after their serial killer party. So Betty wakes up in a panic because can you even imagine the conniption fit Alice is having right now? Like not only because of the sweeps week Emmy worthy performance Machen beautifully delivered like early on in the episode where she's going on and on about how worried to her core she is when Betty doesn't pick up her phone because you know, like the serial killer thing, but also how in the world would she face the neighbors if a second teenage daughter came up pregnant and this time by a cell side boy goodness me so there are some notebooks that betty leaves at jughead's house and he finger quotes accidentally and discovers the letter from the black hood he assures her that none of this is her fault he says you're like Nancy, oh, because she's like, I didn't want anybody to know because what if Archie found out and he blamed me for the black hood? And he's like, no, this is not your fault. You're like Nancy Drew meets the girl with the dragon tattoo. And that is finally what jogs Betty's memory. They rush to the library where she finds um, the Nancy Drew secret code activity book, which was something that she checked out like every week from the library when she was a little girl. And I can so relate to that. I used to check out the same shit over and over and over again. For me, it was the Care Bears movie because I'm a complete dork, but even still, you need someone to break down a Care Bear stare for you? I got you, babe. Okay, so <laughs> they decode the message and it says, I will strike next where it all began. So they take that to believe that um, it's referring to the Jubilee, which took place in the town hall, which right now is where the mayor is holding an emergency town meeting complete with Alice Cooper bitching about the South side when like everyone watching collectively says, uh, I believe the lady doth protest too much <laughs> because we remember her exchange with FP the night of Jughead's birthday when he provided some great exposition that Alice actually hails from the South side. So the kids run in, um, Betty and Jughead run in and they tell everyone to get out. The black hood is coming and they all just sit there like nothing. And they're like, Oh, what? Huh? Huh? What? So then because it's storming, of course, <laughs> the lights flicker and Betty just like walks over to the fire alarm and pulls it. And now everyone gets up and leaves like, Hey, serial killer is coming nothing hey fire drill oh shit we gotta get out <laughs> like that oh that scene bothers me so much back home betty finally hands over the letter to her mother and sheriff keller but the night's not over yet so she comes clean about it and whatever but then she gets a phone call from oh shit the Black Hood. Dun, dun, dun. Also, it's clearly from one of those voice box thingies, which is very reminiscent of Scream, where, of course, spoiler alert for this 20-something-year-old movie, but if you haven't watched it, 
skip 15 seconds or whatever for a while, but Skeet Ulrich plays the killer in Scream and uses that same thing for Do You Like Scary Movies? And honestly, I don't know if that was him or Matthew Lillard, but like, yeah, interesting. Interesting parallel. Oh, yeah. Riverdale. My voice is starting to leave, so um, I'm going to like rush through these segments. I'm sorry, but it is leaving me and my entire job is me answering the phone. So like, I kind of need it. Um, for most Archie comics moment. So let's talk about Wilbur Wilkins. Wilbur Wilkins is actually a character from the Archie comics universe. Um, so it's kind of cool that they use that for Archie's fake name, even though it seems so ridiculous to us in 2017, that that would be a name for a teenager. Um, it does kind of check out for the Archie Comics universe. So the Wilbur comics ran from 1944 to 1965. And according to an article on comicbook.com by Nicole Drum, Wilbur Wilkins is a contemporary of Archie in the comics. And he first appeared in Zip Comics number 18, three months before Archie made his first appearance. So that's, that's kind of interesting. Best Blossom Burn, zero blossoms in this episode. Once again, the wonder that is Cheryl Blossom is wasted on the writers. Like she is only seen in this episode handing out red circle shirts. When will they learn? Like there is so much gold there to delve into with not just writing lines for her, but stories for like, she's um, an amazing character. And yes, I am an apologist for all the crazy shit she does when she like decides to be evil, but that like her character is ripe for the picking with like any storyline you could, you could possibly choose, but she just, they just have her in the background. These like few episodes and it bothers me so much. You guys, like it hurts my heart how they treat her. And really the only burn was Tony, like during ponytail gate, which was, I mean, it was an amazing scene, but it wasn't like, you know, I think she's crazier than a serial killer on bath salts. Good burn. Like she couldn't do it. She, she could, if anybody could deliver a Tony or a Cheryl level line, it would be Tony. But, um, yeah, not this episode. Alice acts like she delivers a solid burn to Fred when she's like, well, that's Fred Andrews for you. Always turning the other cheek. Yeah. Compare him to Jesus. Solid dig, Alice. I love her so much too. <laughs> okay, we'll move to good, bad, funnies. My good for this week. Uh, I kind of hate like all the plots in this episode. I appreciate them for what they do for the season two story. So please, no hate mail. But everything frustrates me so much, and it's supposed to. It it definitely hits the mark there, but what is shot from this episode is just beautiful from start to finish from like the shots 
of Archie telling us that he is like truly losing his grip on sanity and logic all the way to the rumble in the rain. Like the director and DP are the true stars of this episode. And if I were a better fan and a better podcaster, I would know who those people are, but (laughs) you know which podcast you're listening to. So I'm DB it yourself, I guess. (laughs) Sorry, guys. Um, My bad this week. I understand that Archie is going through some real shit and is acting like an idiot in response to all the horrible things in his life hitting him hitting him at once but god I hate to see sweet Archie Andrews pull a gun kill shot style in someone's face like that was that was rough that really like hurt my heart a lot I just it it so doesn't mesh with who he is like universally just the Archie Andrews character, but it, it, it doesn't even match with season one Archie, you know? I mean, I know a lot more has happened and a lot of it's personal to him, but mm, that was really hard for me. Um, funny this week, Kevin, obviously he's the best. Everything he says is hilarious. This whole episode, for changes, if I was in the writer's room and was able to make one change, I think I would have had Betty come clean to her parents about the cipher and the letter from the get-go. The waiting was not that great of a plot motivator. She could have easily have taken pictures of the letter on her phone if she needed it for future reference. I, it just didn't ring true to me. I mean, like, I feel like she could have given it to her mom and pled her case that like, please don't tell anybody else about this. She could have given the same argument that she gave to Kevin about, I'm worried that he's going to attack me if, you know, but I like, I need, I need my parent to know that I am like being threatened or goaded or whatever by this killer because I'm a child, you know? I don't know. For theories, we're not going to do that. Like, I'm not going to theorize who the Black Hood is because I've seen the whole thing and I don't want to accidentally spoil anything for you if you're listening to this, like, as you go along and you haven't seen the rest of season two. Um, So I'm skipping that section for now. For Sabrina News, we have a premiere day. October 26th, y'all. So on October 26th, all 10 episodes of season one will be up on Netflix. Now, (coughs) I am not sure if this is a thing that we're going to really try to make happen, but I would love nothing more than to do a Real Housewives of a Greendale, but we won't be recording them all at once. There is no way in hell I can do that. So we'll take them week by week. If it looks like there's not going to be enough to do like a full podcast episode on each Sabrina, then we might just move it to like this Sabrina corner of the Riverdale show. But all of that's kind of up in the air. We'll see how it goes. There's, there's a lot of, um, a lot of shit in, in play with that. So if you, why don't you tell me all four of you who listen to this, if you could just reach out to me, um, if you want me to do full episodes on Sabrina, cool. I'll make it happen. I'll, I'll figure it out. I don't know how, but I'll try to add some hours to the day. 
if you don't, if you think just moving it to this corner of the podcast in the segments is fine, cool. Tell me that too. Um, it's, it's up to you guys. It's up to what you want. I, I would like to do the full Sabrina podcast, but I, like, I'm worried about time constraints because as you've heard me say over and over and over again, I have a full-time job. I am, um, the primary caregiver to my daughter during the week because my husband works nights. So like, I don't get a lot of, um, time. I'm kind of busy raising a human being, um, during the week. And I also have an Etsy shop carrying the banners, check me out, buy some stuff. Um, where that takes up most of my nights after my kid goes to bed. So like this podcast, this Riverdale podcast is really a passion project of mine. It's definitely a mental health release for me to actually blabber on about the thing that I want to talk about so much. And it's, it's just something that like I need to do because who else is going to listen to it except for other super fans. So anyway, all of that applies to Sabrina. I'm sure I'm so fucking stoked for that show. I can't even like contain myself. If you want to listen to it, um, like full episodes and break down scene by scene, like how we do Riverdale, let me know. You can reach out to me. I'm going to give my, uh, social media stuff at the end of this episode, but, um, just drop me a line. Let me know for our skeets dadgram corner. So yesterday, which was August 1st, 2018, KJ, who, I mean, like, if you don't know who KJ is, what are you even doing listening to this episode? But KJ Appa, who plays Archie Andrews, um, announced his fossil campaign. So he, oh my God, these pictures are gorgeous. And he's like got his brown hair and he's posing and everything's in this like muted like kind of sepia tone or he just looks very dirty and he's like really rocking that watch and those clothes and it is amazing um but mostly he's just like super sexy so his um skeets comment (laughs) underneath it was you're a badass brother flex emoji and like he spells it b-r-o-t-h-a brother not brother which I have to read in a New Zealand accent because it's KJ Appa and so I feel like saying you're a badass brother which was terrible and I know I'm sorry I'm a dumb American (laughs) um yeah that's crazy right so I mean, it's not crazy that Skeet said that, but like, it's super adorable. And I think it's cute how he tries to sound like the kids when he talks to them. And he always gives that flex emoji when he talks to KJ, because obviously KJ stays in great shape. And I don't know, all of it's adorable. And I love Skeet so much. It's so cute. Okay, so with that darling moment in Skeet social media history, that will do it for this week's podcast. Be sure to tune in next week when we cover Season 2, Episode 5, When a Stranger Calls. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review positively, please. Nobody's left a a bad review, but please, please, please. If you have constructive criticism, don't be afraid to share. Just please share it somewhere other than iTunes reviews because those are the ones that really matter and help us get new listeners. So, 
all iTunes reviews will be read aloud on the podcast. I haven't had any in a long time, you guys. Um, it really helps us out and it does like absolute wonders for my mental health. Um, not that, uh, I'm trying to emotionally manipulate you or make you responsible for my mental health or anything like that. Cause you're not, I'm just saying like, that's a high I could ride for weeks on end. If you want to chat, um, especially about the Sabrina stuff, or even if you just like have thoughts on skeet or best blossom burns or whatever, you can reach me at Sharibi on Twitter and Instagram. And that is C H E R I E E B E E on Twitter and Instagram. And you can email me anything at real housewives of Riverdale at gmail.com until next week. Don't be a literal danger to our society like our pal Archie. Bye, gang. We'll make the winter springtime and jingle jangle sing time right on to the summer and the fall. So darling, don't be weeping and please don't you be sleeping when I come creeping down the hall to sing it loud.